It's time for Talking Tauntauns! Your Star Wars source at AIPTcomics.com. Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of Talking Tauntauns, the official Star Wars podcast for AIPTcomics.com. I am JJ Travers and I'm joined this morning, as always, by Connor Christensen and Jim Lahane. We're back doing another episode about the Skywalker Saga. Today we're talking about Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Uh, if you missed our last episode you probably want to start there uh within the skywalker saga we had nicole herview on a fellow aipt writer she's great it was a really fun episode Uh, so we're not doing these sequentially every week but we are doing the films sequentially so um we'll be releasing them about once every four to five weeks in between our other episodes uh so joining us today former aipt writer he's now at the beat Greg Gregory Paul Silber, uh, you may have seen some of his work at the Beat. Uh, he has a great humor column, Silber Linings. Uh, he also recently wrote a really cool article about Attack of the Clones, which we're talking about today, and that was totally uh, a coincidence, I believe. Uh, we just happen to have uh, Greg lined up perfectly with his article and being a guest on the show. So thanks for being here this morning, Greg. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I. Um just kind of randomly was re-watching the prequel saga uh, for the first time since I was a kid uh, with my friend Jonah Newman, who's an amazing cartoonist. You should check him out. Um, and, you know, because of the way Silver Linings goes, it's just kind of like what I'm obsessed with that week. I was like, okay, I'm going to write this thing about um, the Yoda lightsaber battles, which, you know, I'm sure we'll get into. They're controversial weirdly but i love them uh i just think they're hilarious and delightful um yeah and then you guys asked me on so thank you lined up perfectly and believe me we're going to talk about the lightsaber battles it's um I'm, i'm there with you i i love them uh so yeah we're talking about attack of the clones this morning what if i told you that the republic was now under the control of the dark lord of the sith no that's not possible The Jedi would be aware of it. The dark side of the Force has clouded their vision, my friend. Hundreds of senators are now under the influence of a Sith Lord called Darth Sidious. This was first released in 2002. Uh, Everybody pretty much from episode one was back, except for obviously um, young Anakin Skywalker. Taking his place for the first time uh, was Hayden Christensen. He made his debut within the Star Wars universe. Uh, And this film for a long time has been seen as, um, I don't want to say controversial, but probably (laughs) one of the lowest rated as far as like the fans go, uh, as far as the quality of the film. Uh, But I'm really glad that we're doing this because when we go back and look at the movies critically like this, I feel like I can find so much more about them to enjoy. It definitely has uh, its problems and its weak points, but um, I will say watching it like this was uh, probably one of the most... was the most I enjoyed it out of all the times I've seen it. And when I first saw this film, I don't know about you guys, but I was in high school. I went like nine times or something like that. I was... I was nine. When I was out. just entering my retirement first... home. <laughs> so... Jim, was, Jim was in his late 30s. <laughs> um, I haven't seen this movie in years. Not years. Probably like th- two or three years since I've seen this movie. Um, 
I had the I had the opposite reaction that JJ did. I like so when we did Phantom Menace, I enjoyed Phantom Menace more than I have in the last few times I watched it. Watching this, I think I I've never. <laughs> this is the most I've not enjoyed this movie ever. Was when I was like really paying attention to taking notes and looking at it more critically. Don't get me wrong, I still like it's still a Star Wars movie. Okay, I still like it, but. It it has always been on the bottom of my list of Star Wars movies, and I think it forever cemented its place there after this viewing. Yeah, uh, it, it, this you know it's interesting. This is actually the only Star Wars movie that uh, I didn't see in theaters, um, which probably uh, affected uh, my <laughs> and, and enjoyment because uh, there's never really been a Star Wars movie that I didn't at least enjoy during my first viewing of it. Um, and and I, sh- I, I, I should say I was uh, 11 at the time that it came out. Um, you know, I, I had seen the special editions when they were re-released in theaters. Um, but when Attack of the Clones came out, that was the same summer that um, the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie came out. And I remember my dad uh, basically gave me and my brother like the choice um like because he was like you know i could only take you to one and i went with uh spider-man um and i ended up seeing this uh on dvd at uh uh my uncle's house where, where he was like one of the first people i knew to have an uh, hd tv i remember thinking it was like really cool but there were long boring stretches and so for years, partly because I was only eight when uh, Phantom Menace came out, and like there's just there's no way when you're eight years old you can dislike any Star Wars movie. But rewatching this, I I it's still bad, but I liked it more than I thought I would, especially after rewatching the Phantom Menace, which absolutely did not hold up for me. So I was in my junior year of undergrad college. Um, I went to a lot of colleges, and I took my then-girlfriend at the time to see this on opening night, because I had gone to see all of the movies on opening night since the special edition really release, and it, I rather enjoyed it at the time. Um, I, I kind of, even with The Phantom Menace, I enjoyed that one when it first came out as well, and I have not seen this since the, same with The Phantom Menace, the, re, the rewatch all-night marathon for the um, Force Awakens, so it's been six years since I've seen this movie, and I am actually really surprised. Like I remember specifically the last time I watched this that I had ranked Attack of the Clones as my lowest uh, favorite movie, and that kind of goes in line with what a lot of people here are saying, but the general fandom seems to say that a um, the Phantom Menace is the worst one because um, even when you're they're talking about like oh when you do the machete order you just you, you skip that first one because it doesn't matter and you start with this one or or kind of flip flop where this one takes place and so they keep watching this movie whereas the Phantom Menace gets dropped off where I still feel like it, watching these almost back to back that Phantom Menace is a far superior movie to this one and I. I still had problems watching it this time. I did find myself scrolling 
um, at, at various points because it is slow. And I think that's my biggest criticism of it is it's, it's the slowest of the movies and it's, it, it, it has a lot that just doesn't appeal to me. The, um, the year that this came out, Greg, you mentioned you didn't see it in theaters. Um, this was the first Star Wars film to be outgrossed in its debut year. To be, f- I mean, it has a lot of problems, and we're going to talk about them. But to be fair to it, it was going up against Spider-Man, uh, Harry Potter phenomenon. and the Chamber of Secrets, and yeah. Lord of the Rings Two Towers. Like, two of the other biggest franchises of all time, and one of the most popular and highest grossing superhero films of all time. So it was facing steep competition. Well, to to build on Jim's point, what he was saying about like it being really slow, and, and I'm going to have to give him credit because if I don't, I'm going to get yelled at. Um, my dad and I have talked about this many times, that within Attack of the Clones, there is a good movie. It's a two-hour and 22-minute movie, and I would say about an hour and 10 minutes of it is it's awesome. mostly in the second no, like, half there is, too. Exactly. You yeah. just have to it's the first 20 minutes rule and then the last like 50 or so minutes rule. But there's an hour and a half or an hour and 15 minutes in the middle that is just brutal. <laughs> I kind of see it like two separate films. Like there's the Obi-Wan arc which is amazing and yes. awesome. Uh and then there's the the romance that is like a separate Not. film that nobody wanted to see. And people, are, you know, I, I've heard people say, well, there was romance in the, in the first original trilogy. And it's like, yes, but that was a romance um, wrapped. That was told well and wrapped into every bit of action that happened. It wasn't off on a planet at dinners and sitting in fields and, <laughs> staring out at the water it was you know being chased by the empire being hunted by bounty hunters you know uh you know adventuring across the galaxy and i, I i'd rather get this out of the way now so we can talk about all the stuff we enjoyed it's it's um, important yeah so for me and i think for all of us padme and anakin's romance is the weakest part of the film and uh the biggest problem with it dude it comes out of nowhere too like i this is the first time like really paying attention like as a kid you're just like oh they're in love i get it but like watching this now that i'm older and like really keeping a critical eye towards it it's not like they just flip a switch where all of a sudden like oh okay padme is into anakin like obviously we know since the get-go that anakin's into padme but like when they kiss the first time just like where did this like what where did this come from and i, I like i was watching i was like this would have been much better had the only kiss they shared been the one right before they are going to die on Geonosis. That's that would have been a better time to have their only kiss. But like the first kiss is so random and every interaction they have before that. Like I wrote that in my notes, the scene where um, right before they leave for Naboo, Anakin's complaining about Obi-Wan and uh there's that awkward silence between them and, and Anakin is just giving her like the 10 year old staring at a girl. He thinks is pretty eyes. He's being like, a huge creep. Yeah. Just creeper eyes. And she goes, stop staring at me like that. And he's like, what? And she goes, cause it's making me uncomfortable. And she walks away. And the look on his face is not like a look of, Oh no. Or, Oh, I'm embarrassed. The look on his face is this creepy smirk. 
And that sums up the entirety of their romance for the first 45 minutes of this. Yeah, I, I think it's important. Uh, I mean, we've been contextualizing, um, you know, where we were in our lives when this came out. And also kind of like the broader pop cultural landscape. And uh, first of all, I, 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 I think it's uh, important to note that, you know, if you see this as a kid, uh, and, and I am of the opinion that Star Wars is essentially a kid's franchise that, you know, just can be enjoyed by people of all ages. Um, you know, it's enough for you at that age when you've ne never like gone on a date or anything to think, okay, they're two attractive people they're gonna fall in love. That, that's all you the, need at that age. This is how this works. Yeah, yeah. Like, one day I will meet a lady and she'll be like, you're handsome. And I'll be like, you're pretty. And it's like, okay, we are dating now. Do, 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 do. But um, <laughs> it, 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 it's like, you know, I, so, so I, I mentioned I was 11 when this came out and Spider-Man came out that year, uh, Two Towers, a bunch of very big things. Um, I, I want to recall an article I read in Time Magazine at that time. I, I, I yes, I, I was reading Time, Time magazines Mag as an I was reading old. Time Magazine as young as eleven years old. I, 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 you know, this was the same year that I started reading every single Roger Ebert review in the newspaper. Uh, probably should not surprise my parents or anything that uh, you know. I grew up to become a critic, um, and, and, but and I always uh, disagreed with Richard Corliss. I promise I'm going somewhere with this. He had a uh, article where he was talking. They, they had a whole cover story about how this is like the biggest year for summer movies ever, and he had this article about uh, Attack of the Clones, where he compared it uh, favorably against. Uh, Spider-Man, which was very offensive to me because that Spider-Man movie changed my life, where he was saying that that it that the Attack of the Clones would appeal to not just the, as he put it, 12-year-old boys who usually like Star Wars movies, um, but again, his words, 15-year-old girls because of the romance. And look, I, I knew girls growing up who thought Hayden Christensen was hot. But that's a very different thing than this romance is going to appeal to women. Because Here's an example of an unhealthy relationship yeah, that you should yeah. stay far, far away from. For, for yeah, both if you parties, if you tell a guy yes. you're making yes. me uncomfortable, or I if if you're a guy and a woman tells you you're making me uncomfortable, cut that <laughs> out. <laughs> Just full stuff. Yeah, your your response should not be to continue smiling. Yeah. Well, well, you hit the nail on the head, Connor. It is like a s switch is flipped. Like, there's so much about that scene that's ridiculous. Like, Anakin's, you know, saying, like, sometimes we have to shed what we want and do what's asked of us or blah, blah, blah. And she's like, Anakin, you've grown up. And then two seconds later, it's like, well, wow, it's not fair. Obi-Wan doesn't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> Did did anyone catch? She says, "Well, you've grown up," and he like uses that back at her as like a weird pickup line. And he's like, "Well, you have said I've grown." It's like <laughs> I think it should be noted that uh, there there are a lot of people that actually do like this romance out there, and I have I they have good arguments for it because you have uh, two people, one a celibate monk who literally has no game. Like he he is twenty years old at this point in his life. <laughs> The last time he saw this person was 10 years ago, 
and he has apparently been infatuated with her ever since. Um, Obi-Wan needed to smack him in the head instead of, like, clearly acknowledging that this is going on. Like, yeah, you, you, you need oh, we'll to... we'll get to that, kinda, too. Quit it, and we need to be not here. Um... <laughs> and like you have Portman who was a queen and then a senator she also has no game and so you have these two people who clearly have no idea what they're doing um relationship wise kind of thrust towards each other and there is that awkwardness and yes it's clearly um you this movie would not be made today uh or at least this part of the, this romance would not be made today because this is clearly like they're doing at least at, all on anakin's part really he's doing things when she says no he keeps doing them and that's not good consent doesn't exist in a galaxy far far away apparently there is my favorite no part was when movie. he like he's like i'm haunted by the kiss you never should have given me he, I'm like you kissed her like don't you're like gaslighting he's gaslighting her to blame her for the kiss when he was the one that kissed her and it's like oh you, uh, you that it, it's really that scene that got me like irritated at it the the scene in the fireplace first of all comes out of nowhere like and it, it it comes hot off the heels of this for the first geez hour and a half of this movie there is not a single scene outside of the chase scene no scene is longer than two minutes. Every single scene is just bing, bam, boom, boom, moving, 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 moving. But it's not action scenes. It's all these boring little dialogue scenes. And then this this, this scene where they're sitting in a room talking together comes out of nowhere after they're eating dinner together. Which, by the way, are we not going to talk about how wild it is that they're eating a pear with a fork and a knife? It's just It's a ridiculous. space pear. <laughs> then it just... It just comes out of nowhere that they're all of a sudden like, oh, okay, okay, they're done with dinner. And apparently now they're having this incredibly romantic discussion. Just, just out of, I just, it's everything about this romance they have is so jarring. And it's like, I understand how it's absolutely necessary to the story. And I understand how it, it, it's supposed to eventually lead Anakin down this dark path. But it is so horrifically executed it's just he he gaslights her he ignores her when she tells him he's he's making her uncomfortable he is creepy he ignores the the boundaries that she sets up and asks him to respect he's he's kind of a scumbag about the whole thing and what really like bugs me as well is jumping ahead to what happens with his um, his mother, you know, she gets killed and his reaction after, you know, 20 plus, however many years of 10 Jedi training and indoctrination and, you know, being able to master your emotions and let go of attachment is to kill the people that killed his mother. And if he, you know, if he killed like the guards and the, and the men, but it wasn't just the men thing. It was the women and the children, the the women and the children and compares them to animals. And I have this like a meme in my head where it's just like, I slaughtered them like animals. And, and there's the, there's the look of shock on paddle, on Natalie Portman, Padme's face. And then the end image of the meme is them getting married at the end of the film. It's just I like wrote, I wrote that in my notes. So it's like how is she, she's just totally cool with that. She's just like, yeah, huh, uh huh, yeah. Yeah. No, how I do you go? It. How how do you 
rationalize that? How is that not the biggest red flag ever that this guy just killed an entire village of people? And it's not like Padme is from Tatooine and sees the sand people as these monstrous creatures. She's from Naboo that, and like one of her biggest projects there was to work on bringing the two races together. And he murders this entire village, including the women and children. She's like, oh yeah, that's fine. We can yeah. we can still continue this. Yeah, I get it. You were upset. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 upon the, the, this watching, because again, I haven't watched any of the prequels in their entirety since I was a kid. A nagging feeling that I kept getting was, you know, besides just how awfully executed the romance was in pretty much every conceivable way, I kept thinking, what is it that these two actually like about each other? They're both because, attractive. Be, it, right. And again, as a kid, that's all you need. You know, that, makes, that sense. makes enough sense to you. But watching now, like, I, 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 I guess because we saw how much of a creep he is, that we kind of see why Anakin likes her, even though it's completely messed up. But even even before, even before he, he you, you know, commits mess, murder, he, he they're in that field and it's like supposed to be this romantic scene and he's basically telling her that he's a fascist yeah i'm so glad you brought that up he's basically like yeah dictatorships are fine yeah and like she like her whole deal is diplomacy and you know trying to um kind of bring common ground to people and he he is is i i, I it's it's horrifying and again, it, it it literally doesn't make sense. We literally have no reason to believe that this is the kind of man that she would fall in love with. I am so glad you brought that up because I have in my notes, in all caps, when reading that, when watching that picnic scene, she's like, well, what would you do? He goes, well, I would bring together people from the various systems. I would bring them into a room where they could discuss what was the best plan of action for the Republic, and then they would go out and do it. I'm like, okay, yeah, so a Senate... You just described the Senate. And then (laughs) that's what's happening. And then when she's like, well, that's what's happening. He's like, well, then we shouldn't do that. We should just have one person do it all. So he went from understanding democracy, understanding the purpose of the Republic. And when she told him, yes, that's what we're doing. He was like, well, okay, never mind. It's called foreshadowing. And it's just, okay, in this movie, good, good on you for bringing that up, Jim. This movie should just be called Star Wars Episode 2 foreshadowing. Because there is endless foreshadowing through i noted every single time there's blatant yeah, foreshadowing. i have a feeling you're gonna be the death of me <laughs> we're we're peacekeepers not soldiers flash fast forward an hour and a half they're all leading jedi are leading people into battle um it just it's this so anyway but I don't know. Do we have anything more to say on the romance? I can no, keep. We let's, could. Let's we move, could devote an entire episode this. to the romance. Yeah, I, I think. I think. I think we covered everything we need to cover. I just. I didn't. I didn't want to forget the fascism. <laughs> but I mean, there is. There is a lot of foreshadowing, and why wouldn't there be? Of course, there's going to be, and a lot of it's great. Uh, and I think it's so tied into the the this theme of like so much of what you know, the characters in this film perceived to be is not really the way it is. And it that's like tied to so much of this foreshadowing. Um, and I think the best example is like a, the first scene 
um, outside of the opening, which I do want to talk about because it was gorgeous. Uh, but we have the Jedi Council, almost all of them, with the Dark Lord of the Sith, Chancellor Palpatine. Uh, and, you know, they're they're talking about what's going on and how the dark side of the Force clouds everything. Um, and Padme shows up and Kiati Mundi, Mace Windu, you know, talking about Dooku. He's a political idealist, not a murderer. He was once a Jedi. It's not as in his character to assassinate anyone. Um, and, and there, it's like the foreshadowing, and it's like they can't perceive anything to be how it really is. And I, I love that scene. It's just like a perfect example of their failure and their arrogance. I think this movie in its entirety is just a perfect a perfect case study for why Luke and the last Jedi was absolutely right. Cause at every turn, the Jedi are just blinded by their, their own arrogance, their own egos. I mean, there's that scene where she's like, I think it was do leading back to what we were saying in Phantom Menace. Padme is a step ahead of everybody again. And is once again, the only voice of reason throughout this movie that everybody keeps ignoring. And she's just like, ah, I think it was Dooku. And then Again, they're like, no, he was a Jedi. A Jedi wouldn't do that. And then it turns out, oh, no, a Jedi absolutely would do that. Um, So I think this movie as a whole just shows you, like, the Jedi were so blindly arrogant. I mean, at one point, Dooku lays out exactly what's happening to Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan's like, nah. Um... So that's that was in that sense. I think it that's where this movie succeeds really well. But I don't know if that was the point at the time. I think in in oh, retros- I think it absolutely was. I think in retrospect, it absolutely works. I just don't know at the time if the point was supposed to be like, look how arrogant the Jedi are that they don't notice anything that's happening around them. Um, that, that's a theme that carried over from Phantom Menace. I think that's a hundred percent a a purposeful I wanted, decision there. Br- I want to bring it back just even further. I want to bring it back right to the very beginning of the movie, the opening crawl. I found it one of the most interesting things about this movie is how we are set up in kind of this um, like duplicitous scrawl that we're given because the the opening crawl ends Senator Amidala the former queen of Naboo is returning to the Galactic Senate to vote on the critical issue of creating an army of the Republic to assist the overwhelmed Jedi well then clearly this is a good thing we she's going to vote for this grand army of the Republic based on the opening crawl and the first thing we learn is that that is exactly what she's not going to do it is the opposite of what she's going to do we are set up with this weird dichotomy of what is like, what do we want? Do we want this army? Do we not want this army? What did the the queen want? She's a pacifist. She comes up from a pacifist planet, and it's so I found that really like this is the first time I kind of noticed that weird wording that they decided to use for the opening crawl. That and the the fly in. Um, through fog and shouted and shrouded uh, Coruscant. I don't think I've ever noticed that before. Oh, it's gorgeous. Oh, I loved it. I wrote I, one of the things I wrote down was I forgot how beautiful the opening shots are. Like Just especially the, when the, the crawl flipping. ends. Yes, and the ships are flipping. I was like, "Oh, it's be-. there are some beautiful establishing shots throughout this movie." Like I will give that's where credit is due is like um basically every time they're trying to establish a planet or a landscape, the shot is incredible. Um but yeah, I I thought the same thing when when you know, when you get you get Padme and Anakin talking about the defense act and Padme's like, I have to stop it from going through. I thought back to the crawl too, Jim. I was like, what, but shouldn't you support it? Like, and I'm not saying like I would technically, but I'm just saying in the context of the movie, it's like, 
you this is supposed to bring more stability to the gov- to the, the republic shouldn't you be into it i it's it's a weird like you said a weird dichotomy well the um on the point of like that beautiful shot with the ships like turning over and sliding through the fog i i think ilm just killed it in this film um the coruscant like night's life scene with um the chase with uh zam through um like the cityscape was just incredible it looked so good it like the immersion was great uh something i've you know this isn't a critique i just think it's really funny um but so i wanted to point it out like Obi-Wan just, like, runs and dives through the glass to jump onto that droid. Like, thousands of yes. stories above the ground. And then Anakin jumps out of the speeder ten minutes later, and he's just like, oh, come on, man. How could you be so careless? <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> that, is, that is true. I, I, I do want to say, too, I remember as a kid, I don't know what the thing he's holding onto is called, but I had the coolest toy it was like the you know the Hasbro like six inch fi- figure that came with that that drone that he's holding on to, but it had uh, Obi Wan had magnetic hands, so it would clamp it's, to the, dro- the it's drone. It's just like in real life, Obi Wan has magnetic hands. Yeah, that's if he was he he actually wasn't gripping it at all. He was, was trying to get off. It's the entire time um, he's like, God <laughs> damn it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, there is like chaos where he's just like through the window, dive. Um, but man, can we talk about that opening chase scene? What is with it? Star Wars movies and their the second Star Wars movie in each trilogy has such a good opening scene. Like it's almost like a cliche at this point. Like, well, if if it's the second movie in the fran- the trilogy, it's got to have the best opening scene um, because that chase scene is so good from the way that it shows you. It, it tells you more about, like, the life on Coruscant through the action sequences of how it is this big, bustling city. And then you finally get, like, shots of, like, what the ground level of Coruscant looks like. And I don't know. I just – I every time I watch this movie, I'm like, this opening chase scene is, like, one of the best chase scenes in all of Star Wars. It's so, so good. It, it, it's, it's really cool, and it's very cool-looking, which is important. Because, you know, someone – I, I forget like which podcast or whatever I was like listening to where someone said this. Um, but if you look at the, the prequel trilogy throughout, it's very flat most of the time. And you, you, you and once you realize like, oh, that's because they're filming everything on a green screen, you, you can't really not notice it that that everything is on like kind of this even plane. And very cool thing about this chase scene is even though you know obviously with film dagger and screen you can't create something like that in 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 our world with our current technology um you know that there's a sense of elevation to it that's very exciting and very cool even as it completely um you know you know bends the uh limits of uh plausibility with the amount we're able to be like well he trusts in the force and that's why he's able to just dive and you know figure he'll land somewhere um but it but it, it it really it feels like something from another planet which you don't always get in not just all Star Wars, but all of like 
futuristic space sci-fi. It feels like something that came from another planet. And that is really something that you need. So in a movie going like back this. to your comment, Connor, about how all the second movies have this um, great opening scenes. And one of the mindsets I was in for watching this movie is that George Lucas has mentioned that the movies rhyme. Um, episode one and episode four, if you watch them, their plot lines are essentially the same. Like they, you can, they mirror each other two and, um, five do the same. And even like you, with the sequel trilogy, they did the same thing. So seven rhymes with four and one and seven is really, as my wife called it, a remake of a new hope. Um, and so the same thing with the second trilogies, but attack of the clone seems to not fit as well with Empire and The Last Jedi as like The Last Jedi and Empire fit together. And so I spent a lot of this movie trying to take each of the pieces out to see where it fit in Empire because like they are there, but they kind of got mishmashed. And so like here you have the opening chase scene that was a really his pod racing scene within this movie. But it's also the asteroid chase scene where you have the chase, but you also have the asteroid chase scene that we actually get in this movie. And so it's kind of like, it's a mishmash of things. And so I keep trying to do that. I still don't know where the arena battle actually takes, how that fits in. Yeah. Because there isn't that, like there isn't that climactic, massive, the massive final, final battle in empires in... at the beginning. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I mean. It's like, there isn't that, like that, like exploding powder keg moment between the two factions at the end of empire Be- i guess there is it's the same it's it's the same event powder keg is in the movie yeah yeah and the powder keg is like i'm your father right yeah, exactly it's it's not an actual battle it's a it's an emotional explosion um, well, well frankly I, I i think part of the reason why we don't get as much as you say rhyming uh, in Attack of the Clones is because of the, the pacing throughout. I mean, let, let's just face it. Uh, Empire Strikes Back and uh, The Last Jedi, which is actually my favorite Star Wars movie. Like, sorry, haters. That's it's my favorite movie of all Star Wars. Me. So you're in you're yeah. in good hands. Yeah, with all uh, state. <laughs> good, good, glad. I'm glad. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, the, the thing about the, the Empire Strikes Back and the Last Jedi is they're very well paced movies. Uh, that's not to say that there's all action all the time, but something is always happening. And as much as these, uh, you know, basically space. Uh, uh, uh c-span scenes go in attack of the clones like as important as that is thematically they're very boring in the context of everything else that's going on and i'm I'm not saying that a space action movie can't you know have important political stuff uh or dramatic stuff by any means and that stuff is super important to storytelling um, but it's executed in this very flat way. Anytime in this movie, you, you know, they, they try to kind of make like larger points about, you know, these characters' uh, personal philosophies or politics, the, it just kind of slows to a crawl. And that's part of the reason why it's harder to compare against The Empire Strikes Back and The Last Jedi, because... I, I think part of the reason when a lot of people think fondly on the, the prequels, they're thinking about the best parts. 
right? That's exactly why. <laughs> and, I just kind of tie. Dis- yeah. They There's, tie those moments you were talking about to the slowest parts of the film. Yeah, yeah. So it's so hard to pull those messages out because you're just like, yeah, he's floating a pair and they're rolling around in a field. Yeah, and for as much as you could you could look at these scenes and be like, oh, that's really interesting. You know, you could compare it to kind of like the rise of fascism throughout history in other countries and including the U.S. Um, but in context of the rest of the movie in execution, I don't know about you guys. I just find myself disassociating. It's really interesting, though, that it, you, you you're, yeah. you're, you're saying these these dialogue scenes are some of the slowest scenes. But when you look at what what is one of the best scenes in all of the prequels, it is a scene where there's two people, and they're sitting in a box and they're talking to each other, and it's the in Revenge of the Sith, the opera scene, and so it, it's a lot of the the choice of dialogue that is chosen, not necessarily the fact that they're having a sit down dialogue scene. Yeah. It's, it's not that like dialogue is inherently less interesting. It's just the way the dialogue is executed in this film is so mundane. It's also (laughs) like the characters, the pacing, the anticipation you had built to by the time we got to the opera scene with the things happening with Palpatine and, and Anakin, like there was so many, factors that led to that moment along with the dialogue choice that made it such a good scene. Uh, but they're just kind of like randomly sprinkled in throughout the most boring parts of this film, which make it so much harder to enjoy. Cause as you said, Jim, I was just kind of like, Oh, they're in the fields. So I guess I'm scrolling on my phone here. Well, like I said earlier, there's this weird going back to like uh, dichotomies within this film is it's, it's fast paced in the sense that, we go from scene to scene to scene to scene so quickly. Like I said earlier, with other than the chase scene, I don't think for the first hour and a half of this movie, there is a scene that is longer than two minutes. Every scene is just boom, keep going, keep going, moving locations, moving characters, bam, bam. Like there's, there's a string of like seven different scenes that are like 30 seconds each that are just get past it, go. So there's that, there's that like physical fast pace, but then like narratively what's going on is so slow. And, like, the character progression happening is so slow. So it's this weird mix of, like, physical speed mixed with narrative and emotional snail's pace that is, like, again, is so jarring. So much of this movie is jarring. Um, Bringing it back to some stuff that we really enjoyed about it, uh, if we can go back to Coruscant, um, the chase scene was amazing and, and like, the American graffiti influence was was very clear. Um. I love that. I love the diner scene with Dex. The diner scene um, I love, rules. I love that, like, even in a galaxy far, far away, diners are a thing. Yeah. And, like, the uh, Flowbot, like, the WA7 or whatever it's called. Hey, honey. <laughs> like, you want a cup of Jawa? Yeah. Yes. I, I, I like to think of that scene as uh, taking place in space, New Jersey. Um, yeah uh yeah yeah like as a uh, jersey boy you know born and raised i uh uh, i appreciate the fact that even the um i guess he's like the 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 big alien uh with a mustache who i guess owns the diner yeah I, i like the fact that like i i i look lucas has been rightly criticized for um 
using grafting some ethnic stereotypes onto the characters uh especially a lot of the alien species in the prequel trilogy um and i'm not saying that um you know this particular instance is like oh but this one's perfectly okay but i do I, I enjoy the fact that like, oh, he, he's like, you know, just like a guy you'd find in a diner in Jersey, you know, like he's even got a white t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. He, he's got a mustache. <laughs> <The> mustache. <laughs> he, he's, kind, he's kind of sort of got like a vaguely Mediterranean yeah. accent. I'm from Long Island. Guys um, in Jersey, like, I'm pretty yeah, sure, so- have forearms from the pollution. <laughs> <laughs> I also love that he's like pulling his pants up. Everything it's gro- it's great. Everything about him is gross. I, like, that that diner scene is is awesome. Um, like the aesthetic, the colors, the neon signs, and as you look around in between the scenes, like seeing all the different species from like different walks of life, like they nailed yeah. it. I I think I think every Star Wars movie should have some variation of the cantina scene from A New Hope. Hey, we get two in this movie. We yeah, two. yeah. Variations of the campaign. Because, like, one of, again, this is what I mean by, like, you you, you know, Star Wars is kind of a kids franchise it's just fun to see all kinds of little critters and creatures running around and be like hey look at that guy that's a a funny looking alien like you need that but I have to say I if you put a gun to my head and asked me what were Obi-Wan and the diner owner talking about during that scene if you ask me that right now with a gun to my head i would have to mean a prospect on subterrell the market's on the side give it away it depends again i know your manners are i'm your pocket book is oh i love it it's so good it's I, I I I it's executed in like a like like visually or I should say aesthetically in a fun way that I still like that scene, but it is indicative of how much I disassociate with the dialogue in this movie. The plot oh, I, gets see, so I, I, convoluted sometimes. That that for me was like, what the heck was he doing on Subterrell? Like, what I wrote did that he? Down. I wrote that what, down. <laughs> What did he do there that taught him about like obscure weapons from like the outer rim area of the galaxy? I want to know so much more about him and Obi-Wan and how they're buddies and what the heck uh, this guy did in his past life. I think he's like one of the most interesting characters. One of my favorite things about Legends, um, the books that kind of got wiped away, is they actually had a set of kind of young reader uh, chapter books. Um, based on Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. And it was mostly Qui-Gon associating with these riffraff of the galaxy and Obi-Wan going, why are we talking to these people? And Dex is one of those people. And so that's like, I, I, I love the fact that like, I, I love Dex. I think he's a fantastic character and that the, this pr- prim and proper Jedi is associating with this um, diner owner in the middle of the, this like slums of the city and and to to jj's point and to build off of what you're saying jim is this this is probably the the part in the movie where i was most engaged with the dialogue where I, again i wrote down like what was he doing on subterrell that's very interesting like i want to know what that it's uh, out past the outer rim are we talking wild space here like what's going on like 
what how does he know so much about cloners like this is really interesting and then oh yep, okay we're done with this scene all right on to the next one um but it's it's funny that because the, the diner scene stands out in my memory so 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 much but when you remember it or watching it again i mean it's it's like a 45 to 45 seconds to like a minute long it's a very quick scene but it's just like it's so much in such a little amount of time it's it's probably my outside of obviously the final battle. It's probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. <laughs> I love that scene. I think it's so good. And Obi-Wan gives that like smile that could get him anything in the universe. That, that, that grin he gives Dex. Just like, that's a handsome man. Um, but I'm Greg, you brought this up and I want to touch on this briefly. Like you mentioned how we get two cantina scenes and I actually feel like the bar scene, um, following the chase is one of the biggest missed opportunities of this film. I agree. When I look at Moss Eisley and like Dryden Voss's bar and um, the casino slash bar and the last Jedi and Maz's cantina and the force awakens. Like there, there's so many distinct things and, and little like totally corny star Wars moments that, that stick out to me or like creatures doing something and besides, like, the droid football and the podcast screens on the wall, nothing about this bar slash cantina scene sticks out for me. And it's it's such a bummer. Like, Obi-Wan has his moment with the death sticks, but there's nothing with, like, the creatures in the, the bar that sticks the out. The one that, creature that, that stuck out to me, Ahmed Best. I was, I was going to say, there's two creatures that stood out to me. Ahmed Best... And I was going to ask you guys if that was Ahmed Best, but thank you for confirming. Oh yeah, I noticed it, he Daniels. was a very quick pan past. I'm like, that was that Anthony Daniels? <laughs> and and um some and a blonde blonde haired woman who looks like she was plucked out of the background set of Blade Runner and dropped into Coruscant because she's got like the '50s hairdo and everything. And I was like, huh, is that a replicant? Uh, I, 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 I didn't notice any of that, although... Um, it, it You're does... not supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> That's for the super nerds. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, yeah, glad glad to be the, the cool guy on this podcast episode with <laughs> you dorks. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, 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 but no, I, I do think that uh, that bar scene is, or nightclub scene, I guess I should say, is a missed opportunity for a few reasons. One, and you mentioned the uh, the nightsticks. You know, he's basically, um, you know, solicited by a space Sleaze Bogano. Um, and yeah, amazing name. God, they're good with names. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it's 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 pretty fun. Although, you know, I do think his uh, visual design could have been a little more interesting. Uh, but I th- th- there's there's no first of all I, I do think this is important. There's no there's not really like a memorable little like earworm in that scene, which I think is something that we could have used. I not everything can be as memorable as we can't always get that. Um, Am- amazing recreation of it, by the way. Spot thank you, on. thank you. Um, it, it, yeah classic but uh there's just i think it's we don't spend a whole lot of time there and the time we spend kind of feels like george lucas kind of rushing to get to the next thing it's like you said connor you know these scenes are very short and i think 
as much as this movie is probably longer than it needs to be, um, you know, lingering on just kind of like the fun, silly stuff would have gone a long way. In this. Completely agree. It was almost like he was he was very obviously paying homage to his own scene. Um, it's like what the Medal of uh, Barack Obama put in the Medal of Freedom on Barack Obama. That's this scene, but it's George Lucas being like, remember that one time in the 70s I did that cantina yeah. scene? Well, here it is again, basically the exact same thing. But it's also to show you that you should never try to sneak up on Obi-Wan in a bar because he will see it coming. He'll cut your arm off. I just um, had a question. You left your I, car running. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I want to. Uh, that that's a robot chicken <laughs> sketch in the making. Um, why why would you do that? Should we talk about Obi Wan now? Because I I feel like we see two sides of him in this film: the the badass Jedi Knight on the verge of becoming a master, who's got this incredible fight with with Jango Fed on Kamino and the chase with the seismic charges, which were like one of the best sounds in any Star Wars film ever. And then we have the somehow totally oblivious to the most obvious signs in the world that his Padawan is doing really naughty stuff. Well, I want to, I do want to talk about Obi-Wan in length, but I want to talk about something that I noted seven different times during this film. Something that Jim just alluded to with his lovely little flip. And it's very on brand for me. Obi-Wan's hair is absolutely magnificent in this film especially in the scenes where he's outside when he's on geonosis and he's standing in the wind and his hair is flapping i i shook i was like i want my hair to look like that it is incredible how nice his hair looks now now that that's a jim you have <laughs> something to add i know jim has something to add. i can see it on his face this is important actually this when is genuinely he comes important. in out of the rain on camino and he has it's like a slicked back look. I looked at that and went, "Oh my god, that is what my hair looks like now." After I brush it at a, as I get out of the shower, he has COVID hair. He hasn't gotten a haircut in a whole that's, year because he's COVID been teen. quarantined. <laughs> that's <laughs> that COVID teen hair. But you know what? He makes it work. I, I Ewan McGregor is. I mean, he's a very handsome man in general. He's still very handsome. I, I mean, even, you know, I, I saw uh, Dr. Sleep in theaters, and that, that, that's a scary movie. But, you know, he's he, great. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I that's a different podcast, but uh, underrated movie. But he, he, even, even in that movie where he's like this totally tormented um, recovering alcoholic who, you know, he survived the experiences of The Shining. I'm still like, damn, like. Ewan McGregor is like really hot. He's a <laughs> specimen. And right? he's only he only he ages like a fine wine. I actually wrote in the beginning of this movie you have um Anakin, who in the context of the film is supposed to have grown ten years and looks like he's grown twenty years. You have Padme, who is supposed to have grown ten years, looks like she's maybe aged two years, looks phenomenal. And then you have Ewan McGregor who looks like he's aged fifteen years, but then stops he, he, aging. He, he, but he just he, never doesn't yeah. age for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i i i i i mean he, he uh he he's ewan mcgregor truly aging like a fine wine and uh you know you know this came out in like a time before marvel movies because there's no way this movie would come out today without ewan mcgregor getting a shirtless scene absolutely or well we got a hayden christensen shirtless scene but it's, it's nips <laughs> i out, did notice that so. too 
You don't get a shot at them abs. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, oh, for, is that the first and only time there are nips? It, nope, uh, last or uh, last Jedi. There's so nips. see, there's Kylo Mir- it's a All mirror. Right, let's, let's get back on <laughs> focus. <laughs> it's it mirrors. Um, but anyway, no, I do. I'm glad you brought up the absolute oblivion obliviousness of of Obi Wan in this is again very jarring because you are basically being set up for Obi-Wan is on the verge of being a Jedi Master. He's incredibly respected by all of his peers. Uh, he is worshipped by Anakin. Everybody respects his opinion. He's trusted by the Council to go on these top-secret missions that are of utter importance. And then he is just stumbling and bumbling his way through this grand conspiracy to supply the Republic with a grand army. And at the same time, he is blatantly told what is actually going on that the Sith is ruling the Republic and he's trying to take over and he's going to pull the Jedi down. And he's like, there, nope, that's not happening. And he's also completely oblivious to the fact that like, Hey, your um, Padwan has zero control over his emotions and is actually only driven by emotion rather than sense and feeling. It's, it's such a weird juxtaposition. I, I can forgive the political stuff because he's not a member of the council, so he's not privy to the decisions that they make. So the fact that they could have ordered a clone army secretly, he would have no idea of knowing. So I, I can let that one slide and like seeing his master's master imprison him and say all these awful things like that's got to be incredibly jarring. So like that stuff I can give a pass to, but it's just Anakin, man, like. He's so nervous to see Padme. He creepily calls her beautiful and makes her uncomfortable. He argues with Obi-Wan in front of her, like clearly trying to impress her. Uh, and then after all that, he's like, yeah, it's a good no, idea to send him No, he says that it's Padme. not a good idea. He says, I'm... He has yeah, no, he still he lets has it no control he's over He's his it. master. The, but the council is his the master. one sending him on this mission. He he can't say no to the council. Yeah, and I feel like if he was like, ultimately, I don't agree with this. I think it's a bad idea. I have. But to he did that say that. Listen to him. But he's <laughs> uh, he, he just like he was like, I don't think it's a good idea. But okay, I do. But I th- I was gonna say I think it just it further highlights the arrogance of the council too, because like Jim said, he, he Obi Wan is like, this is a this is a bad idea. You shouldn't do this. And they're like. Nah, it's fine. He'll be okay. But it gets even worse from there because when Padme falls out of the ship when they're chasing Dooku, he's basically like, I don't care. Put the ship down. Uh, And he's like, you'll be cast out of the Jedi Order, man. And has to, like, convince him to, like, do what Padme would do. That right there should have been it. And then when Yoda saves them and Padme comes in, she's like, oh, Anakin, and, like, fawning over him. And he's like, oh, yeah, totally fine. And, like, Yoda senses something awful happens to Anakin when he kills the Tusken Raiders, the Sand People. There's no follow-up from him on that, and there's no follow-up from Obi-Wan. And then after all of that stuff, they're like, yeah, Anakin, why don't you take her home? It's fine. There's clearly no reason that that could be problematic. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I mentioned at the top of the show that... uh, you know, rewatching this uh, before recording was my second time watching the movie in two months. Because uh, I watched it first, just like, kind of like, yeah, it'll be fun if we watch this for the first time since we were kids. And then I watch it like, okay, like I'm preparing for a very serious discussion of this movie. Um, and uh, this, so this most recent time watching that scene where they are telling him to escort Padme, it 
all I, I, and look also this doesn't really pass the smell test for all kinds of reasons but in in that individual scene it almost looks like they have to have known that they were going to you know get down to business because like you said it's so obvious that something weird and bad is going on but it, it almost reads like you know perhaps Yoda knew that their romance was going to be inevitable or perhaps knew you know even further down the line and again I realize this doesn't make a whole lot of sense it probably was just George Lucas not really thinking things through you know knowing that uh, Anakin was going to turn to the dark side and perhaps he was thinking well if they get together before that happens then you know maybe he'll have a kid or perhaps uh, twins who can help bring down the empire later on. And again, that's giving, that's simultaneously giving uh, Yoda way too much uh, credit while also raising a whole lot of questions about like, well, if he knew A was gonna happen, why didn't he do B? But but again, like the way it plays out, like you guys have been saying, it, it, it's just, it's too, <laughs> it, it's it, they're too oblivious to, for it to be plausible however you cut it well and as jj pointed out at the end of the the duel between dooku and yoda um padme runs up and kisses anakin right on the mouth in front of obi-wan and yoda. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like they are they are it's it's almost like you know, it's it, it, it's like if you see a, a friend of yours flirting with their ex girlfriend, and rather than intervene, you're just like, "I'm gonna just uh, pretend I don't see it. I uh, that's that this this doesn't concern me." That's basically what they do here. No, They're no, just like, I, I actually know why nope. it was okay. Uh, they confronted him about it before, and Anakin just pulled out his free pass. It said "chosen one" on it. <laughs> I do. That's exactly. I do want to talk before exactly we finish that. about the the clone. And the, the attack of the clones is the things that we almost didn't mention at all. And it kind of wraps up this entire movie. And I love how this clone army, which was made by a Jedi, they specifically lay out in this movie that the clone army is kind of a duplicitous thing. Because they, as they are there, they're, he's like, you were hired by um, the, the Jedi. He's like, no, I was hired by a guy named Tyrannus. And then later we find out that Tyrannus is Dooku, as they specifically state in the movie. And if you're not paying attention, you may have missed that. But they, like, they clearly, like, this clone army is a bad thing. And they they highlight it in the movie, and, I, and that and we get Tamara Morrison, who I think is a, a national treasure, and I can't wait to see him in the Boba Fett series. <laughs> I the one thing I I did note is that I still I understand that when it comes to the helmetless uh, clones, you have to CGI them because it's like, well, we need you know a hundred Tamara Morrison's on screen at once. I still think the idea or the choice to CGI every other clone trooper was a terrible idea yeah and it does not age well um i did have comments about the cgi throughout the movie it was off and on all over the place it's all over the place some of it's phenomenal some of it's terrible but it's the same thing with with uh phantom menace yeah they nail it when they nail it they nail it and when it's off it's very off i think overall though this leveled up hard 
in terms of CGI from the Phantom Absolutely. Menace. Definitely. I, I, it, it really, like, in three years, um, I don't know what happened, but... Uh, it, the, unre- it, it, the Unreal it, Engine came it, out. It, 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 well, you know, it's funny you mentioned the, uh, the Unreal uh, Engine and uh, kind of video game type stuff, because I remember... So when I was... At, at, at this age, uh, when, uh, you know, 2002, when the movie came out, uh, I, I was subscribing to PlayStation Magazine. And uh, this, I remember there was a quote from George Lucas regarding the PlayStation 2. That was something along the lines of that, uh, you know, when he was making either Phantom Mass or Attack of Clones. It's like, I thought I was using the, the best technology that was out there. And then someone hands me this device that's more powerful than anything I was using. And he was referring to the PlayStation 2. <laughs> I I was going to just say, JJ's, I, I do want to uh, point out that for all the flaws we explained this movie has, it does finish with an incredible like one, two, three punch of... The droid manufacturing scene, the the uh, gladiatorial battle, and then the start of the Clone Wars. Like yes, and, and really quick before you jump into the droid thing, I just want to say with Jim, I also love um, the first time you see the clone army and like the Imperial March, like foreshadowing what's to come. I think that scene is amazing. But I'm sorry, go ahead, Connor. No, I was just gonna say it's it's I I noted that like despite a lot of the problems I have with this movie, the last 45 minutes, which just kicks off with the droid, the the scene in the droid depot, it's just like nonstop action. And I appreciate it. Oh, so sorry. Much. I'm here playing the droid factory scene. Jump, jump back, back, forward, forward, uh, slide. I hated that I like part. That. I hated it so I, much. <laughs> I, 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 I like that you have, first of all, it's one of the few times where we get some a, a Jedi with a lightsaber absolutely demolishing oh the my people God. trying to take him down. It, it, like I forgot he I was forgot a murderer. The fact that like Anakin, <laughs> he he cuts like four Geonosians down the middle, like splits them in half like a hot dog bun, like six different times. And like, Padme's like, this, "There's my guy." Can, can we just oh. stop for a moment to, to acknowledge the fact that this movie is rated PG? <laughs> Yes, uh, not like PG thirteen. I have this a note mo- for that. L- l- like this is this... the same rating that you'd get in like Winnie I don't the know, Pooh. What was the last Pixar movie? <laughs> this this children's film has multiple living creatures getting sliced down the middle and has three beheadings. Three. This is a children's film and. A decapitated head is no. picked up by the no, child. No, it is not. He only picks up the helmet. They have done. Have you not seen the screen caps? There is a shadow of the head actually comes out of the helmet when it is cut off. That's even worse. I mean, no one notices that though. Everyone that's that saw that scene was like, "He's it's holding his helmet. dad's head." <laughs> but so, I did. I going really quickly going back to the droid scene, then we'll get into the best part of the movie, which is the last, you know, the final climatic battle. Is to to your point, Jim, saying like how video game like it is. That's actually why I enjoyed it. Is it's like watching Padme's like playing Frogger for her own life. And aside from C three PO's commentary, which I found very annoying because you guys know my thoughts on C three PO. We don't need to get into that again. Um, and the dramatic zoom on Padme's face. You guys know the zoom <laughs> I'm talking about. That zoom is terrible. It's just like whoa, like 
what are we doing here, guys? This isn't the 30s. Yeah, it's just like dramatic zoom. Um, aside from those two things, I love the droid, the droid factory sequence. Um, and like it's, it's it's because of it feels like I'm watching a live action video game. I think it's why I enjoy it so much, and it leads in very well to the final showdown. That was not the music playing. I I'm not, I don't remember. <laughs> Should have been. Would have been awesome. I, I I mean I think the uh, the droid factory scene is fine. I'm not particularly you know blown away by it. I don't dislike it. It's it's the end with all the Jedi in the arena and the the clones and the battle that follows that like blows your mind because you're like, okay, we're actually, you know, we've heard about the Clone Wars and now we're actually for the first time seeing the first battle uh, happening and just all the Jedi fighting together like that. Like we've never seen anything in Star Wars like that before and we've never seen anything in Star Wars like that since. That's the only time we got it and I feel like they nailed it. Yeah, it, it's a very cool scene, but I do want to acknowledge, since you mentioned the droid factory, um, we get some solid uh, punning from C-3PO from the droid factory into the climactic final battle that, again, it's very cheesy, but where... But that's Star Wars. The yeah, cheese yeah. is what makes it Star Wars. Um, with the, the final battle, I did, I laughed a little bit because I... When you you have that first of all, all the lightsabers being ignited, top five Star Wars scene, like chills every time, so rad. But I also kind of laughed a little bit as they're all running into battle, because I was like, didn't Mace Windu say at the top of this movie that they're peacekeepers, not soldiers, and here they are, running and headfirst into a war. <laughs> um, but it is it is like it is just like one of the best final scenes in Star Wars. Now I do want to get into like the actual arrival of the clones. Um, because again, that's also like a top five Star Wars scene for a movie that is that I strongly dislike. It does have so many amazing like Star Wars moments in it. Um, but I struggled to figure out like, okay, they've they've rescued Obi Wan and Anakin and Padme. Why is this now turning into this large like? Why is this now this full scale battle? Like, why are they trying like? It's never explains what's in these these uh, Trade Federation ships that they're trying to stop them from escaping. Why did this blow? Like, I I just couldn't wrap my head around like why did this turn into a further conflict? And I'm not like well, nip- I'm, I'm to, genuinely asking. I, I think it's because they're trying to murder all of these Jedi and have made it clear through the intelligence that Obi Wan provided that they're building an army to potentially attack the Republic. So, with. so is the point like we're just going to try to stop this all right here right now? Yeah, exactly. They said we have and to we gotta, these and we gotta and we gotta stop Dooku. For me, it's we it's need the... to stop him, or he will make more. Yes. Uh, invite more if... planets to this. Exactly, and and you know, Obi Wan says like we can end this war. Like I need you to to take down Dooku. So that at the end of the the movie, when when Obi Wan's like wouldn't have been a victory without it. Yoda's completely right when he's like victory. What? No, like <laughs> he is. He everybody is. got away. We failed. Like now we're in the middle. Of what the f do you? <laughs> you sort of did this. <laughs> After um, FTW. <laughs> I I don't think there's a better place to end the discussion than the two final lightsaber battles, which were awesome. Uh, Perf- I love them. Perfectly length too. Perfect length. Yeah, I love them both. I think uh, they're both so good. Like, the first one does such a good job of illustrating the problems with um, Obi-Wan and Anakin's relationship and just Anakin as a Jedi. And Dooku is just, like, so menacing and powerful and using Force Lightning in a way that, like, 
is so like cleaned up and different. And in addition to that, you know, it's a Sith with the lightsaber using both, which we've never seen before until this moment. Um, and just seeing them both like soundly defeated, it's like, well, what now? And then you see that shadow slowly approach. Cheer the stand-up ovation from the people in the the theater. Yeah. I got up out of bed and started clapping at that moment. <laughs> um, I do have a bit of a hot take in regards to the Anakin and Dooku section of this fight. Um, and this is a safe space, so I'm going to say it. I think that I think it actually kind of stinks. Um, watching it again, there's so much time spent just zoomed in on their faces as their lightsabers are swinging around in the dark out of frame i actually started laughing i was like why are they showing it they're only showing us their faces because he's 80 and then and he didn't actually do this (laughs) (laughs) and he couldn't move yeah um but also when when their fight ends and it leads into the yoda fight which is amazing i actually didn't know there were people who disliked it um and i don't like those people because this movie that the yoda fight is awesome um but it, I, I watched the final moment where Anakin gets disarmed. One dad joke per episode. Um, I watched that moment and it's just kind of bad fight choreography because it's so – he just literally – he opens himself up and gets cut. It, like I, I watched it three times. It was like there's no flow to – like. It was literally like, and then he gets his arm cut off, and and it's just, it's just bad. It is weird. It, that that part of the fight has always seemed off to me, but what follows it is just so incredible that Mars like, yeah, well, whatever. B- before yeah. we get to the incredible part, uh, I, I I I am glad that uh, Connor brought up what he did about uh, Anakin versus Dooku, because you know I remember when this movie was being uh, advertised as a kid, so, uh, you know maybe this was just me and my friends but i do remember so much focus being on anakin with two lightsabers like that's what we were all excited about you know phantom menace it had uh uh darth maul with the uh um kind of double-edged lightsaber and you know i guess they wanted to keep a trend of like one more than one lightsaber per person uh but like that sequence where you know obi-wan throws him the lightsaber and now he has two first of all raises the question of if that's a better fighting technique why don't all why not jedi, always have two yeah why don't all jedi, jedi have is two in defense but also attack. yes good point jim but also like that it only lasts like 10 seconds like yeah, if it's that. so fast. If that. And, and that this was like built up as this exciting moment, not just in the advertising, but um I, I, I look, John Williams, absolute MVP of the entire Skywalker saga, right? Like every single year that a John Williams Star Wars score comes out, that's the best score of the year, in my opinion. But and like if i recall correctly even like the 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 music kind of started getting more soaring when he got his two lightsabers but it just it just it just doesn't follow through the way it's meant to it's meant to show the arrogance of anakin and that he does not have the skills that he thinks he does he even says i master uh 
Yoda as with a lightsaber. And he's like, yeah, no, you don't. And here we see clearly he doesn't. Like Obi-Wan doesn't. Anakin doesn't. They both get taken out like punks. And that's the point of the um, the fact that he gets his arm cut off so easily. Like it's not the choreography that's off. It's Anakin doesn't know how to fight with a lightsaber. And that's something that's a skill he learns over the Clone Wars until we get to the end. Yeah, I think Jim's exactly right. Like it's a, it looks off and how it happens as far as like the choreography of the fight, but it makes so much sense because it's a perfect example of Anakin's arrogance about his abilities as a Jedi and the fact that he's the chosen one going to his head. Um, it's it, what it, follows. I was gonna say like so much of the movie, it is narratively it makes sense. It's just executed poorly. Um, so yeah, what follows? We have Yoda appear. And we get this really cool contest of um, their ability with the Force. And then I, I, you know, this is my favorite experience as a Star Wars fan that I will never forget. Being in the theater at midnight with, you know, every other diehard fan. And when Dooku says, you know, it's clear this contest can't be decided by our knowledge of the Force, but by our skills with the lightsaber. Everyone kind of just like inhaled and looked around at each other and then... You could slowly feel like the energy coursing through the crowd as he opens his robe. And the second that lightsaber, you know, flicks into his hand, the whole place just went absolutely bananas. People standing up, screaming, losing their minds. Also, keep it was in, incredible. Also, I still keep get in goosebumps mind your knowledge every time. of the force involves throwing things with the force and lightning. That's it. Yeah, we hadn't, we didn't know anything else. There's a little bit of knowledge from the video games of like people like bending not what the in the movie to do. I also love how un, <laughs> yeah, not, not, but doesn't count. I love how unnecessarily extra Yoda is by not grabbing his lightsaber by pulling it to his hand. It's just like such a flex, and it's so perfect for the scene where it's just like he's such a master. He doesn't need to grab the lightsaber. He'll bring the lightsaber to him. I love it so much. But like it, it probably would have been faster for him to just grab it. But he yeah, exactly right. But it's just like he just—he literally is just flexing. He actually oh, initially just contemplated just sending the lightsaber into the fight. He's like, I'll just gonna hang back here or <laughs> yeah. let the lightsaber do it. <laughs> Which honestly yeah. would have been would still would have been very cool. Nah, um, we, now, we, like, we had to get all the flipping and everything. Yeah, I know yeah. people. Like, uh, like you pointed out, Greg. There's uh, apparently, you know, there's people who dislike this this fight. And I can see why because it's it's very chaotic and it's very fast. But like, I think just getting to see Yoda be like prime Yoda for and again, well, this, that's like, so that's not why people just dislike that scene by and large. Um, I, 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 I should say, uh, you know, we, we, you guys mentioned at the top of the show that, uh, I wrote an article, um, about, uh, how these like uh, the, the Yoda lightsaber battles in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith are good, actually. That's the way we phrased it. Um, and uh, I don't know if you all, you all read that article. It's fine if you didn't. Um, but you know, also it's, five minutes i could send it to you after we stop recording um but uh the 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 reason people don't like it tends to be more about their perception of who yoda is as a character um you know there's the first of all the idea that it's just too silly right he's this cute little muppet character 
you know, it, it, and you know, that, that, that whole idea isn't even really worth engaging in because look, if you're watching Star Wars and it's supposed to be silly and yeah. And, and you don't want like cute stuff that kids like, uh, get over yourself, you know? Like I, 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 I say this a lot. There's nothing more childish to me than trying to insist on how mature you are. You're an adult. You can like Star Wars. You can like silly stuff that kids like. It's fine. Um, but, but I think kind of the more interesting criticism of the scene is that when we we first meet Yoda in the original trilogy, uh, you know, especially when he first appears in uh, The Empire Strikes Back, he's really characterized as... Um, if not a pacifist, someone who is very disdainful of violence, right? Very disdainful of, um, you know, anger, things like that. I and mean, his whole thing is kind of teaching Luke how to have this more kind of zen uh, outlook on life because Luke is very hot-headed and quick to anger and things like that. And here he's you know yoda is not that at all he he's he's very combative not just in the scene where he's literally fighting with a lightsaber but also in the previous scene uh with the big battle and everything where he he's basically ordering an army uh he's a very militant figure in the prequel trilogy but my argument um you know to those people who who criticize that because i do think it is an interesting criticism is it's very easy to see how the events of the prequel trilogy would completely change Yoda's a, outlook. A galactic how war completely he, will affect you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His decisions, even though at this point uh, in the trilogy, Yoda is already you know close to 900 years old. He's when 876 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like he 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 failed the, the the entire galaxy he failed anakin in particular um it, it's not really a leap to see that after everything that happens here that by the next time he, we see him and by the way very similar to luke's journey in the sequel trilogy where, where yoda basically became a recluse as well in his own little planet um it, it, it you know Luke kind of felt like he failed. Uh, Yoda absolutely failed. It, it, it's 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 really not a stretch in logic. Um, yeah, I mean, we could talk about Yoda and these lightsaber scenes probably for an entire episode, <laughs> uh, and the Jedi that participated in the fight. Unfortunately, we don't have time for that though. We've talked for over an hour about Attack of the Clones, uh, and unfortunately, we have to wrap here, guys, to keep our commitment to keeping these around an hour. Um, Greg, thanks so much for being with us today. Do you want to tell folks uh, where they can find you? Well, first of all, uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, you can find me um, I, 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 on a number of websites uh, these days, uh, but uh, the stuff where I just kind of pretty much posts whatever uh you can find me on twitter very easy to find at greg silver that's uh s as in sam i l b as in boy e r kind of like silver but with a b not a v 
Um, I, uh, yeah, I've got a regular column at, at The Beat called Silver Linings. Uh, it's a, a humor column uh, where uh, I kind of just talk about whatever uh, that week I'm kind of sort of obsessed with and is maybe bad, but I find something that I like about it. Uh, I also have bylines at places like uh, the Eisner award-winning panel by panel, uh, Neotext, Daily Dot, yeah, it's all there. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks for hanging out with us today, guys. We hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we are going to keep doing these. Expect the Revenge of the Sith episode in about a month or so. We'll give you a heads up before it's coming. Uh, next week, we are going to be talking about um, Thrawn Ascendancy Chaos Rising. So that is the first book in the Timothy Zahn prequel Thrawn series. So uh, if you're interested in following along with us, that's the book that we're going to be discussing. Uh, thanks for hanging out today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, uh, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps us out a ton. Also, if you'd like to um, join our Star Wars book club, that's the book we're discussing this Saturday. You can get access to that in our Discord community for $2 through our Patreon, which you can find on AIPTcomics.com. And 100% of the funds from Patreon go through uh, to staff writers at AIPT. Uh, so AIPTcomics.com, that's where you can find Patreon. We'd love to have you join the book club uh, and you can find us on Twitter for information about the book club and different star Wars tweets every single day of the week at talking Tauntauns. Uh, so that's going to do it. We're going to get out of here. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye, you kill.